0: Welcome to Smart Poker Study, the podcast dedicated to helping you play more effectively, earn more money, and be 1% better every day. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi. In last week's episode 253, I answered five questions about data mining, calling, and playing against lags. It's poker study time, y'all. Hello and welcome to episode number 255 of the Smart Poker Study Podcast. My name is Sky, and if it's your first time here, thank you very much for checking us out. Uh, you have to subscribe to the podcast via your favorite podcatcher because I have incredible poker strategy episodes uh, dropping every single week along with monthly Q&As, and uh, this is the place for growing your poker skills with practical tips, advice, and most importantly, action steps because action is the greatest teacher and if you've been a long time listener thank you so much for coming back and thank you for sharing the show with the friend of yours so today i'm going to talk about the best no limit hold'em starting hands i'm gonna begin by sharing with you my top 20 starting hands next i'll dive into the importance of playing more hands in better positions or another way to look at it is less hands in the worst positions And lastly, I'll give you my recommended open raising ranges as well as sizing by position. But before we get to all of that, I want to take the time to let you know that the Smart Poker Study Podcast is brought to you by The Poker Forge, my new membership site. We're only in month two right now, so you still have time to get in on the ground floor. It's called The Poker Forge because just like a blacksmith takes a raw piece of metal and through hard work, he forms it into something useful and beautiful, that's what we're doing. Through focused effort, both on and off the felt, Poker Forge members are forming themselves into the beautifully winning players they want to be. Members get access to a growing library of strategy videos and resources that cover everything you need to become a winning poker player. And this month, we're diving super deep into preflop hand selections. So by the end of September, every Forge member will be setting themselves up for incredible poker success with great preflop decisions. If you're serious about becoming a better poker player, go to thepokerforge.com. It is the place to be. It's a no-brainer. It's like rivering the nuts and betting, right? So head on over to thepokerforge.com to check it out and join today. Alrighty, let's get to the best starting hands. Please visit the show notes page for everything I discussed today, along with screenshots and links at smartpokerstudy.com pod255. And then when you go there, you'll also see a nifty little uh, uh, graphic that I created of those 20 best starting hands. Let's roll, Gambate! And now for our feature presentation. Before I get to the top 20 hands, I wanna talk about solid preflop poker hand selection. Now, every hand that you play, it hits the preflop stage, but few make it all the way through the streets to showdown. By developing a solid pre-flop hand selection strategy, you are setting yourself up for post-flop success and just overall success in poker. It's important to know that the money you make or the chips you earn in poker, it comes from players who raise or call just too often. By keeping your ranges in check and playing less frequently than those loose opponents, you're going to have a mathematical advantage over them. Sure, in this one hand, right now, their jack-eight suited, it can beat your ace-king suited, but... If you see 1,000 flops with your ace king versus their jack eight, you are taking their money guaranteed. Now, another important aspect of preflop hand selection is your position. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. It's my favorite concept. KISS, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. So regarding positions, I keep it very simple. Here's the breakdown. The first position at the table is called early position. Now, in six max games, it's under the gun and it's the hijack. In full ring games, it's the first five positions at the table. So the three under the guns and the two MP positions. The next position is the cutoff. One of the things I love about the cutoff is there's only three players yet to act. So when you're open raising, it's a lot easier to steal. The next position, the third position is the button. You only have two blinds left to act, the most easiest spot to steal. And position number four, I kind of group them together the blinds. That's the small blind and the big blind. Now, most pots that you enter here are going to put you out of position on the flop. So that's important to remember about these two spots. By limiting the positions to these four, we've simplified our pre flop choices, which in turn simplifies our post flop game. And a simplified game means easier decisions and more potential profit. Whether you're a live one table player or an online multi-table grinder, making your decisions easier should be an integral part of your overall strategy. Now speaking of making your decisions easier, playing less hands from earlier positions will do exactly that. The ranges I'm going to give you in just a little bit, they have you playing the least hands from the EP, a little bit more in the cutoff, and the most hands from the button. The reason for this is the more players who are left to act after you make your decision, the more you're gonna open yourself up to getting called by players in position, or possibly getting three bet by them. So we stay tight early on to help us avoid more difficult situations. I challenge you! (laughs) Do you play more hands as your position gets later? If so, great, you're positionally aware. But Maybe you play the same number of hands from the under the gun, MP, and from the cutoff. That means you're not positionally aware. Take a look at your Poker Tracker 4 database right now at both your VPIP and your PFR. Both percentages should follow the same pattern. Smallest in the EP, larger in the MP, then the cutoff, and ultimately the biggest on the button. If that's not the case, start playing with position in mind. Tighten up early and loosen up in later positions you'll find this will simplify your game and will lead you to more profitable situations. Now I challenge you to take action! So let's get to the 20 best starting hands in Texas Hold'em. Now, they're all going to be big pairs and big cards, specifically like Broadway-type cards, right? Of course, we all know the power that pocket aces, kings, and pocket queens have, but jacks and tens are also premium hands. Now I know a lot of you have a hate relationship with jacks and 10s, but I love being dealt these hands. Just don't get enamored with the showdown value of these hands, and if all signs point to you being beat, just fold. What's great about all these pairs, pocket 10s and better, is that they have some inherent showdown value just on their own, and they're incredibly strong if you're lucky enough to hit that set. They're often over pairs to the board, which allows you to get value out of your opponent with a top pair weaker than yours, For example, holding pocket jacks on a 10-high board versus somebody with ace-10? Great money-making opportunity there. Now, getting away from the pocket pairs, a hand like ace-king is super powerful, especially if it's suited. It's so powerful because they are two big cards, the two biggest, obviously. They're also connected and suited. So there are so many great ways to make powerful hands with this combination. There are some other great Broadway-starting hands, like ace-queen and king-queen. When these hands hit top pair, you can bet for value quite often. Or, if your opponent's getting aggressive, you can call to see showdown, assuming you don't put them on a stronger than your top pair hand. Now, Ace-Queen flops top pair or better 30% of the time, and King-Queen flops it 28% of the time. So these are great hands to see the flop with, especially as the pre-flop raiser. Now, I'm going to give you my list of top 20 poker hands. If you go online, you're going to find a lot of different websites with their own top 20 list. Mine differs from theirs in a few ways. Uh, Of course, the top three in every list is always aces, kings and queens. But below that, there is some room to maneuver. Now, I created my list by looking at the preflop equity of each of these hands against a 20% calling range. The idea here is that we should enter most pots as the preflop raiser. And an average calling range is roughly 20%, you know, 15 to 25, just depending on the player and their position. So this calling range does not have pocket queens or better, nor does it have ace-king. So if you go to the show notes page for today, you'll see the graphic there. It has all the hands listed from top to bottom, number one, down through number 20. You'll also see a little percentage there. That percentage is that hand's equity against the 20% calling range. Here are the hands. Number one is pocket aces. Number two, kings. Three is queens. Number four, pocket jacks. Number five is when ace-king suited comes into the mix. Six and seven are pocket tens, then pocket nines. Number eight is ace-king offsuit. And nine and 10 are the ace-queens. Suited first, and then offsuit is number 10. Number 11 is ace-jack suited, followed by number 12, pocket eights. That's the lowest pocket pair on the list. Number 13 is Ace-Jack off-suit, and then Ace-10 suited is number 14. King-Queen takes up spots 15 and 16. King-Queen suited, of course, first, off-suit next. And then King-Jack suited is number 17. King-10 suited, number 18. Queen-Jack suited, number 19. And then rounding out the list is Queen-10 suited. So if you only play these 20 starting hands, you'll be considered a nitty player. They only make up 10% of all possible poker hands. So we don't want to play extremely nitty like this. If our opponents realize we had such tight ranges, they can avoid most confrontations with us unless they have pocket 10s or better and ace queen. And because this has no baby cards and hardly any middle cards at all on those kinds of boards, (laughs) we can be crushed pretty easily. Or, because we miss it quite often with all of our unpaired hands, uh, they can be betting out, put aggression, and make us fold, right? So we want to use these 20 hands as a base minimum number of hands to play. We're going to add hands to make us less predictable, and to make it so we can hit bigger variety of boards and board textures. So let's talk about what we're looking for when we go beyond these top 20 hands. In general, we're looking to play hands that can flop well and continue beyond the flop often. The bigger the cards, the closer they are together, and being suited all add to a hand's floppability. As an extreme example here, 7-2 soft suit, that flops poorly, and most of the time, you're gonna be check-folding this hand. But at the other extreme, pocket aces flops top pair or better, can you guess? 100% of the time, and ace-king suited flops top pair or better, and an open-ended straight draw, 50% of the time. That's why people love these hands, of course, and they hate that seven-deuce-off suit. So here are the different types of hands we'll be playing in addition to those 20 starting hands. First up are small and medium pocket pairs. These are great hands to have in your open-raising ranges. A pocket pair hits a set, or trips. Uh, it hits that on the flop about 11% of the time, or one out of every nine flops. When you hit your set, you have a super good money-making opportunity. This means that you can bet and raise for value probably on all three streets. Now suited aces and kings come next. These are lovely hands to play with, especially if they have some sort of straight potential like ace 10 suited, ace five suited and king nine suited. But you have to be careful because of kicker issues with hands like ace seven suited and king six suited. If you hit a top pair hand, but there's a lot of action, your measly kicker might cost you a huge pot, but These hands do give you some great flush potential, so they can often be played, especially if you're the open raiser, or isolation raiser, which we'll get to isolation in just a little bit. Now, suited connectors are the next category, and these definitely belong in your ranges. ace king suited is the best of these, but I routinely play 7-6 suited and 8-7 suited as well. Suited connectors give you great straight and flush potential, and they're often worth coming in for a raise or calling when the price is right and there's a lot of money in the stacks behind. The reason why we want lots of money to play for is so that there's more potential profit to be made by hitting those flushes and straights, which they don't occur that often. So for example, if you have to call five bucks on a draw, but the villain only has $5 behind, that's really not worth it, right? You don't have much incentive to chase that draw. But if you have to call $5 on a draw, and villain has 100 bucks behind, there's a lot more profit potential there. The next category of hands we would play are suited gappers. 1 gappers are good, with ace-queen suited being the best, and I often do not play worse than 8-6 suited. Now, because of the gap, they flop less open-ended straight draws and less gutshot draws than those suited connectors, so you're going to be able to continue a little less frequently beyond the flop with suited gappers. And beyond the one gappers, there's suited two gappers. Of course, as the gaps grow larger and the lower the two rankings of the cards are, the weaker the hand is. A great suited gapper is ace-jack suited, and even queen-nine suited is worth playing when you have position or you're the open raiser or just the price is right as well. You'll often see players choosing to play hands like 9-6 suited and 8-5 suited, though. They are just asking for trouble with those hands. Now, the last category of hands are your random offsuit hands. Now, you might consider playing some of these. Uh, Some of them can be connected and decent, like Jack-10 offsuit and Ace-Jack offsuit. You're dealt these offsuit versions so much less frequently than those suited types, so it makes them a lot less valuable. One of the interesting things is that having a suited hand gives you about 3% more equity pre-flop. For example, against that same 20% calling range I mentioned earlier, Jack-10 suited has 45% equity, and Jack-10 offsuit, 42% equity. Bam! 3% less right there. After the break, I'll hit you with the ranges I recommend to open raise with by position. Alrighty, I've got some great poker people to thank for their support this week. Adam Choquette-Fuchs and Mo, along with Greg Thompson, all purchased Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash PokerTracker4. They checked out the goods, checked out all the features that Poker Tracker 4 has to offer. And let me tell you, there's a buttload of features. They all made the purchase through my link, and that gave a, a little bit of a kickback to me to support the podcast. So thank you very much, Adam, Mo, and Greg. And I hope that you're enjoying that smart HUD that I sent to you in thanks for your poker tracker for support. And the smart HUD, Orlando Imperio and Lippo both purchased that directly. They already had Poker Tracker 4, so they had to pick up. They felt the need to pick up the best HUD in the business for Poker Tracker 4. So they went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD, checked out what the HUD was all about, the kind of features it has, all those additional pop-ups, and how they can use it to exploit their opponents. They said, hey, that's a good deal, and they picked it up. So thank you very much, Orlando and Lippo. I really do appreciate it. Alrighty, let's get back to open raising ranges. So here are the poker hands that I open raise with by position. I'm going to work to make this easy to follow for the podcast, but if you want to see these ranges, like visualize them, go to the show notes page for screenshots, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 255. So my EP open raising range is a 12.2% range and it has 162 hand combinations. These are the hands in the range. Every pocket pair, Ace-10 suited or better. Ace-queen offsuit or better. Suited connectors, seven-six and better, as well as ace-five suited through ace-two suited. Now my cutoff open raising range. This is a 20% range made of 266 hand combinations, every pocket pair. Ace-deuce suited and better. Ace-eight offsuit and better. King-10 suited and better. King-queen offsuit. Suited connectors 6 5 and better, and suited gappers 9 7 and better. Now, I use this same 20% range in the small blind when it's folded to me and I have the chance to open raise. Now, my button open raising range. This one is the widest 31% made of 414 combinations. It has every pocket pair, every ace. King deuce suited and better. King 10 offsuit and better. Queen-jack offsuit. Suited connectors 6-5 suited and better. Suited gappers 8-6 suited and better. And queen-9 suited is the lowest suited 2-gapper. Now, I use this exact same 31% raising range in the big blind when the small blind is the only limper. Now, let's talk about isolation raises. I love it when players limp into pots. There's nothing that says I'm a weak player more than limping in. So if I'm at a table full of limpers, I'm in a great money-making situation. I absolutely love it. Now, my isolation raising ranges, they're the same as I just mentioned in the EP cutoff and the button. But before I make an isolation raise, I consider whether or not the player can call with worse hands. So, for example, it's okay to isolate with ace-nine suited if they call with every ace and a lot of kings and a lot of queens. But you probably don't want to isolate with queen-eight suited, when they call with every ace, lots of kings, and better queens. Because now you're getting to the flop in a bloated pot with a hand that's worse than their calling range. They don't know it. You might have pocket aces uh, as far as they know, right? But you do have a hand that's worse than their calling range. Now, the other consideration for isolating is if they have post-flop weaknesses that I can't exploit. But if they only call with better hands, and they're not easy to exploit post-flop, then I'm only gonna isolate with the top 20 poker hands. Now, a little bit different from this, isolation raising from the blinds. Now, I love to isolate over limpers with strong hands out of the blinds, and I rarely limp behind them. In the blinds, because of that terrible position, I raise over limpers with a small 7% range that only has 96 combinations. It's pocket nines or better, Ace-10 suited or better, Ace-Jack offsuit or better, and King-Jack suited or better. I challenge you! (laughs) If you've never used ranges before, or you feel you need to tighten up your current ranges, use the open raising ranges I just gave you. Try them out for the next week and see how you enjoy them. Maybe they're too tight and you like playing more hands, or maybe you end up with your first profitable week in months. You won't know unless you use them on the felt, Now I challenge you to take action. All right, let's talk about open raise and isolation raise bet sizing. Before I give you my recommendations, let me ask you a question. Why do you raise preflop? Take a second to answer this for yourself. Pause the podcast if you need as well. Let me tell you my answer to this question. We raise preflop for one of two reasons. To either take the pot down right now or get only one player to call. Preferably, the caller is the worst one at the table. So you wanna choose raise sizings that will accomplish either or both of these. Does a two big blind open raise take down the pot as often as a three big blind open raise? No. Does a four big blind isolation raise isolate the weakest opponent just as often as a seven big blind isolation raise will? Once again, no. So it's up to you to use a sizing that works in your games to either get everyone to fold or the worst player to call. Here are my recommended sizing. So when it comes to open raising from the EP, I go three big blinds or sometimes 3.5 big blinds. I'll make it full pot to discourage a ton of calls and three bets. And in all the other positions, my open raising size is three big blinds. Nice and simple. Now when it comes to isolation raise sizing, if I'm in position, I go six big blinds plus one per limper. Or I might even make it more if the weakest player is willing to call more versus my value bet. I've made it 12 big blinds before with pocket aces because I knew that limper would be willing to call. And guess what? They do make those calls sometimes. Just imagine going to the flop with pocket aces against a limp caller, 25 big blinds in the pot already. Man, if that is not a money-making situation, I do not know what is. Now, my isolation raise sizing out of position, i go at least one big blind larger, and i often make it nine big blinds or more. Now, if you're a live player or a tournament player, your sizing is going to be different from these recommendations, but your goal is still the same. You want to get everyone to fold or the weakest player to call. I challenge you! <laughs> Put more thought into your preflop raise sizing. I want you to strive to earn the pot right now with your steals or get the weakest player to call versus those value raises. Don't make their calls or their folds easy decisions. Put them to the test with the sizing that you choose and adjust it up and down as necessary based on the players you're up against. Now I challenge you to take action! All righty, make sure you head on over to www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod255 for the show notes, related links, for that top 20 starting hands chart. All that jazz is right there for you. And of course, thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to be back next week with a brand new preflop strategy episode. And if you enjoyed this one, I invite you to check out thepokerforge.com this is the essential resource for any poker player at any stage of the game, especially right now if you want to improve your pre-flop game because that's what we're all about in September in the Poker Forge. There's a growing video library, guided action steps, quizzes, live monthly Q and A's, exclusive member-only discounts, and a supportive and active Facebook poker community. The Poker Forge is the perfect place for you to up your game, so check out thepokerforge.com today. And my new Alexa Skilled called Daily Poker Tips is available for all English Alexa users in the US, Canada, the UK, Australia, and India. Just go to the Alexa Skill Store and search for Daily Poker Tips. You're going to get a 30-second poker tip every day during your flash briefing. Alrighty, until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.